welcome to the Woods Edge podcast show, where we hear stories about how God is at work in and outside the walls of Woods Edge. Hey guys, thanks for joining us today on the Woods Edge podcast show. My name is Eric and I serve on the communications team here at Woods Edge Church. On the show today, I sit down with Joe Lanzalotti, our men's and marriage pastor, and hear about his heart for men here at Woods Edge and how he got started. We also hear a story from one of the men here at Woods Edge about how his life has transformed after going to last year's men's advance. You're going to want to stick around to the very end to hear the story. It's so powerful. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy. Hey, Joe, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you being here this morning. Eric, it's glad I'm, I'm glad to be here. Good. Uh, and always enjoy hanging out with you and talking life and in general. Well, Joe, I have a, I have a couple questions because you know it's kind of interesting. The, the here I know just very little bit about your path and your story and where you are right now as the men's and marriage pastor. Um, kind of take us back. Where does where does your call to ministry kind of start for you? Yeah, uh, that's a good question, Eric. We, we're going to have to go back about 10 years ago when um, <clears throat> I was a, a lowly intern and I was uh, working with uh, our missional life pastor, Tim Martin, right now. And at the time, he was the, the missions pastor and um, was was making about $50 a month, you know, in this lowly intern role. And and I was sitting around a, a staff meeting one day thinking the idea that maybe at one day I would pursue... Uh, you know, overseas ministry one day, and uh, it was at the time when Woods Edge was in a place in a season about 10 years ago where they were starting to um, launch some different satellite churches in the area, and I'll never forget, I was sitting around, you know, at a table at a staff meeting, and one of the campus pastors that had been entrusted to lead the what's now Riverstone, which was then Woods Edge Montgomery, he said uh, he had a list of all these things he had to do before they, they launched what they were going to do up there in Montgomery. And he said, uh, and I still need a student pastor. And I don't know why that really resonated with me. I, I had worked with students in the past and, and didn't really enjoy it. But, um, <laughs> well, I mean, like at yeah, camps and stuff. Sure. You know, where parents just drop off their kids and it's like daddy daycare. Yeah. So it, it, that was like my idea of what maybe student ministry was going to be like. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that, yeah. you know, but yeah, and so I'll never forget, I didn't go to school to do that. I never went to school thinking I'd be a student pastor one day, and so I went on a run with our senior pastor, Jeff. That was how Jeff and I would connect. We would, we would just kind of go on a run, and, and I knew that I could get 45 minutes of Jeff by himself without any distractions if I went on a run with him. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, where you can catch him. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe I was the only one on staff that could, that could do that, but I'll never forget. I said, Jeff, uh, you know, I'm thinking about doing this, and, and he said, well... Uh, I told him, I said, I'm thinking about doing this, but I don't know if I'm equipped to do it. Yeah. And he said, uh, well, Joe, let me ask you. He said, do you love Jesus? And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, love Jesus. And he said something along the lines of, I think he said, can you tolerate students? <laughs> I said, yeah, I can tolerate yeah. students. Uh, that's a, that's yeah. a real question. <laughs> yeah. So really, that's how I got my foot in the door with, I mean, really being involved in uh, the student ministry that I was with for maybe four years up there in Montgomery. Yeah. And um, 
And then what what happened from Montgomery to coming back to Woods Edge? Yeah, so in 2010, um, I was sitting in bed one night with my, my new bride, Allison, and and I just looked at her. I, I used to read memoirs of like Navy SEALs and, and different, you know, military figures. And I said, honey, if, if I don't go into military one day, I think I'm going to regret it. Because it had always been a maybe a, a thought of mine, even in high school, that I would join up in the military and serve our country one day. And Does that, is that, do you have family members who, who served in the military? Yeah, you know, I had a grandfather that fought in World War II and, and several uncles, if, you know, in Vietnam and everything. And, and so it was something that I had thought about, you know, even in high school and considered it heavily, but just didn't do it. And so, um, and so we just started praying about it. And uh, we, we prayed about that. And so for uh, about, about three or four months, we, we prayed, and then we felt like God said, go in the military. So that's what we did. We, we joined up, went to the Army, and uh, spent three years in the Army at the, in the great state of Louisiana, at Fort Polk, Louisiana. Uh, being from Louisiana, that was home for me. There you go. And all, all the all the swampland for the hunting and fishing that I could, you know. What did your What did your wife think of that? She uh, was she was she a little apprehensive or nervous about that move? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was toughest on her. Yeah, I mean to number one to leave everything that we knew that was safe, comfortable, mm-hmm. um, community, and to go up, you know, to some place new that she had. Um, didn't know anybody. Yeah. And to leave her family behind, which is actually a funny story. When, when I graduated basic training in the Army, the branch manager said, hey, I've got three destinations that I could send you to. I could send you to Alaska. I could send you to Hawaii. Or I've got Fort Polk, Louisiana. And so I went back to Allison. And I said, listen to these two options we have. We've got Alaska. <laughs> we could go to the, the last frontier and, and do life there for uh-huh. a little while. We've got Hawaii. And everybody knows Hawaii, right? Of course. And I said, oh, by the way, there's Fort Polk and um, <laughs> Louisiana. I, lo and behold, <laughs> the first thing out of her mouth is, wow, we'd only be three hours from home if we went to Fort Polk. Oh, uh, that's so funny. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. You want, it's like Hawaii. I know. It's a, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I called back the branch manager and I said, yeah, send us to Fort Polk. <laughs> and there was this pause on the other end. And she goes, you realize most people call me begging them, begging me not to send them to Fort Polk. I said, well, we're we're gonna buck the trend here. Yeah. So. Wow. So, how many years were uh, were you in Louisiana? About three years. Three years. About three years serving in the in the infantry. Yeah. Yeah. What was that time like for you? You know, it was exciting in the standpoint for me. I got to do a lot of manly, cool things: jumping out of airplanes, driving tanks. You know, being out in the field with the guys. Uh, basically, our job was to teach and train all the other units that were going on deployment. Uh, basically put them through their worst day for two weeks. And, and we did that out in the field, and, and, and it was rugged. But in, 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 way, in many ways, it was like being on deployment for us because every two weeks out of the month, I was away from home. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did not ever reestablish the community that we knew we needed to be in, uh, that we left from Montgomery, you know, from our Woods Edge home. And uh, that was really the turning point for us when we started having children in the military. We had our two boys, Leo and Chance, that it was like, we've got to get back into a place where we've got people surrounding us that are speaking life into us, that, uh, you know, our, our, you know, table of support, if you will, if, if something were to happen. Not that we didn't feel like we didn't have our support from our family, but the people that we were doing life with, um, we needed a change. Yeah. How did that affect your marriage, just being 
feeling a little isolated. Yeah, we got, you know, we grew distant from one another. Um, we were not self-feeding ourselves in, in the Word of God like we we knew we needed to be. And, um, you know, they're just because it wasn't that community of accountability. It wasn't the community of support. And, um, and once I realized that we were definitely not engaging in our marriage like I knew we could be, we just kind of had to take a, a hard look in the mirror and go, okay, what now? <clears throat> and, and so so what did you guys decide to do? So you, you came back to, to Texas, obviously. Yeah, we had an opportunity to, to you know, get out of the military, obviously, on honorable discharge. And, um, you know, we, we ran for family first, and uh, we knew that uh, no better place than to come back to, to our Woods Edge home. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was interesting. We actually, right after the military— we didn't. We got out so abruptly. We didn't have a plan really, and so my mom took us in in Austin and said, "Here, you know, just spend some time here while you get your feet on the ground." Yeah. And uh, Allison's cousin, my wife's cousin, uh, was pastoring a church in Dripping Springs, there uh, south of Austin. Yeah. And he knew I had some experience in student ministry, and he said, "Hey, would you mind coming on and getting our student ministry off the ground?" And I said, "Look, dude, I'm not going to come on and run your student ministry for you. I've <laughs> been there, done that, got the T-shirt." Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that's what I was telling God. I'm, I, I'm not getting back into, I'm done with this. To, to this, you know, this line of work. And and so I started applying in other places. And I'll never forget, I told this, you know, this guy, uh, Allison's cousin, his name's Jason. I said, Jason, uh, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll get some small group curriculum from uh, from the student pastor of the church that I was working at, mm-hmm. and I'll just pass it along to you. And, and so I made a call to Wood's Edge here yeah. in, in the Woodlands, and uh, I... I don't even. I didn't even know who the student pastor was, and I said, "Who's the student pastor?" And they said it was Justin Omer. So oh, I know Justin. I was good friends with Justin, and yeah. so I get on the phone with Justin and I tell him, you know, what I'm doing. And <clears throat> at the end of it, he says, "Yeah, I'll give you some curriculum." He goes, "But are you interested in getting back in student ministry?" And I said, "No, no, <laughs> no." And he said, "Well, might might have an opportunity over here if you were." And I said, "Well, you know, I gave him the good old line. I'll pray about it." Sure. I don't think I really prayed about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, not until all the doors started closing on all the job opportunities that I thought would exist. What kind of stuff were you going after? Well, I think in, in many ways I, I may have been trying to, I don't want to say reinvent myself because that sounds really far out there. Sure. But, you know, I was exploring what's my wiring. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking at opportunities that maybe would, you know, get me outside, get me, you know, in more action-oriented jobs like project manager for architectural landscape design companies and uh, actually was working with a guy and, and potentially thought it was going to work for me to come on board with him here in Houston. And uh, so I, I set up an interview and that same week, Justin said, why don't you just come on by Justin Ulmer here at Woods Edge and, yeah. and let's just talk about this position that could exist in the Woods Edge student ministry. Yeah. And so the same day that I had the interview with this landscape architecture, <clears throat> I just knew it was going to be an easy in the door opportunity because of what we'd already been talking about. And, and I went and had my interview with Justin and as I'm driving away from the Woods Edge campus after our interview, the guy downtown with the architectural company called me. He said, uh, so well, we're going to go in a different direction, Joe. Sorry. And I started to see the writing on the wall a little bit. Yeah. And I said, okay, God, you know, All right. what, what are you doing now? Yeah. And so I had to sit and be still for a little while and, and just listen and being still is really hard for me to do. Were you disappointed? No, because I, I've always seen that if God closes one door, he's going to open another. Sure. 
and he had the door wide open the entire time. Yeah. And and I just I was refusing to see that that was where he wanted me to go. What What do you think some of your uh, angst is maybe the wrong word, but what was you know what were some of your hesitations about jumping back into student ministry? I think I just wanted to see what else might be out there. Sure. You know something that might fit my wiring, but once uh, once I started talking with Justin, you know I, I kind of equate student ministry to a virus. <laughs> Um, yeah. you know, it may go dormant for several years, yeah. but when it comes back, it comes back full force. And so that itch to get back in, once I started leading a small group again with some of the, you know, the ongoing Wednesday night small groups with our student ministry here, it was a no brainer. I was like, th- this is my wiring, you know, at that time in my life, I, this is where I needed to be. Yeah. yeah. And so how long did you serve, um, in the student ministry? Yeah. I came on, came on back on staff with Woods Edge in, uh, 2013, and for a little more than two years, worked with our our student ministry. Yeah. And so now you are a men's and marriage pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, and tell us a little bit about, like, why, maybe how the move happened, but, you know, what was kind of your headspace moving from students to um, men's and marriage? Yeah. You know, Eric, that was a tough transition because of my heart for the students and and, and really that being the only thing that I knew within, you know, ministry-wise, um, you know, it was something that it came, it came natural. But i tell you what also came natural was just a progression, as I mentioned earlier, just continuing to see my wiring. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, as a young man, I can still still consider myself a young man in my, in my mid to early 30s. It's still young. It's still young. That's right. Um, you know, recognizing that... Uh, Number one, there was a need within our church that, that uh, the current men's pastor had, had stepped down to go back into the business world and, and recognizing that, that I had a desire to speak into the lives of men, whether it be my age, older, younger, but recognizing that uh, through my experience, whether it be in student ministry and, and particularly in the military, recognizing the need to speak into men's lives and how paramount that is for the way that they will then speak into other men and their families and to see men uh, come alive with learning their purpose in life. So, what about the your experience? Because you mentioned it. How much? How? What about your experience in the military? Gave you sort of that, like you were saying, that desire to speak into men's life. Yeah, you know, I, I enlisted into the military at the ripe age of twenty-eight years old, mm-hmm. and so when I came into basic training, all the other recruits <clears throat> and trainees were were usually fresh out of high school. And so I saw this crop of young men, 18 to 22 years old, that really were utilizing the military as a last resort, that maybe didn't have a plan in life. And so, you know, their their direction in life, um, they had thought that this was it, um, being that they didn't know what else to do. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, as I continued to walk along these men, and the great men, I mean, obviously the, the heart behind it really to serve the country uh, was evident. Sure. But, you know, also recognizing that, you know, a lot of these men may not have had uh, other men speaking in their lives and saying, hey, you know, you, you have great potential. You know, it, this doesn't have to be a last resort. If you want to serve in the military, great. Yeah, but it isn't just a something because I can't think of anything else to do. Yeah, but I was recognizing that that was kind of the trend. Mm. And so, you know, I developed this passion to start speaking into those guys' lives as they were getting out of the military during that time, recognized that they, they had a lot more to offer, you know, the world than just, you know, being a, a machine gun toter, yeah. so to say. 
Yeah. So right now, what do you, what, what do you really love about what you get to do? Mm. You know, I, I get to uh, really have the opportunity to meet with a broad range of men and, and, and more than just men. Uh, because, you know, when you think about one man, he's connected to his family. And so there's his wife and his children that, you know, receive the impact for how this man is walking with the Lord, you know, how he is, is growing day to day in, in, in his spiritual walk, in his walk with other men. And so, you know, being able to speak into the life of just one person and seeing the impact that it has in his circle of influence has really been neat for me. And, um, you know, I, I can even see how it has an impact on our student ministry. So in some ways, even though I might be removed from the student ministry, you know, uh, from the standpoint of not being a student pastor, I still see the impact that our men within Woods Edge have yeah. within the student ministry. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I don't have kids, um, but the more I'm around, um, specifically Woods Edge, I can tell how much impact that a father has on his whole entire family unit. Absolutely. And um, and so I think the work that you do is so important because it it just it it's just trickle down that that affects everyone in the family. Um, and so kind of along with that, what's what's difficult about what you do, for lack of a better way of saying it? Like, what's what are some of the challenges that men are facing that marriages are facing? that you have, you know, run across? Yeah, that's a good question, Eric. Um, I think, you know, if you work with people long enough and you have a heart for people, you you generally want to see people, you know, succeed and do well. And, and so when somebody comes to you with a problem, you know, the first thing you want to do is try to fix it for them. And, uh, you know, Wood's Edge is, is such a large church, and, and, and there's so many needs across the board. The challenge for me is realizing that I, I can't fix every need that comes my way. Yeah. And so, you know, it's kind of been a, a little bit of a learning experience for me. Excuse me. That, um, you know, th- there's going to be times when uh, either I'm going to have to uh, sit there with a guy and, and just pray with him, um, you know, some men might come, I mean, goodness, you know, when you think about, you know, families that lose their children and, and you just can't explain that. And so just sometimes uh, for me learning just to be there mm-hmm. and, um, and cry with somebody, it might be all that they need at that moment in time. And so that, you know, the, the challenge that I thought might be is, is trying to meet every need. But, you know, sometimes as my dad used to say, you know, 80% of life is just showing up. And sometimes just being there for somebody um, is more important than you think, and you can fix their problems. Yeah, I I feel like that's a lesson I'm continually learning, and just my my overall family unit in terms of like uh, my parents are still in the area, my older sister, my all my siblings are basically around, and you know we've had lots of times where we're either in the hospital because um, my dad or. Uh, my sister lost her baby about three years ago, mm-hmm. and that whole time, the there was nothing to do. There's nothing to fix the situation, but it was like there was something really holy about just being present yeah. in the situation. And as men, we are so often problem-solving, action-oriented. Okay, yeah. how can we fix the the problem? What can we do? That that's very much a learn a learning curve for us. 
It's just kind of sitting. And I can see why that is the same. Um, so what, what, what are you excited about kind of this next season of, um, ministry with men? Yeah. You know, we, we had a great fall and really helping identify, you know, I I guess I'm going to back up a little bit before I answer that question. You know, I've been in my role now for about a year and, Mm -hmm. and really throughout the past year have had a great opportunity to meet a lot of different guys within Woods Edge. You know, I had to learn, had to learn how to have adult conversations again after you work (laughs) with students for so long. So there's just certain words yeah. that, you know, other guys might not just pick up on. Sure. But having those conversations and, and really getting a pulse on, you know, where are we, our men within Woods Edge? Mm-hmm. You know, what is the greatest need? What are the greatest needs? And so uh, really kind of helping establish the vision for our men's ministry was something that uh, myself and, and several other men that, you know, also just were ready to rock and roll with this uh, this men's ministry that we kind of helped established throughout the along the way in this past fall and so i'm excited to kind of looking back on that vision that we established uh for our men and moving forward in the spring but having a focus for what why we're doing what we're doing yeah what is that focus yeah i mean so one of the things that you know we came up with on a little men's retreat with several of these guys was you know establishing our vision for our men you know and we wanted to um think about, you know, men from the standpoint that we got to keep things simple. And so, you know, we use the term ignite. You know, we want to ignite men just to know and follow Jesus. And several of these things line up with our Woods Edge mission. Yeah. And and we want to engage men into the body of Christ. And, you know, part of that mission would be, you know, along the way, we want to equip these men to advance the kingdom. And so, you know, with that mission, then we came up with a vision. And I know it sounds the same, but they're a little different. Because, uh, you know, we recognize, as I recognized when I was in the military without community, just the, the impact that it had on my family. And so, you know, one of our visions is that every man at Woods Edge would be thriving in community with other men. I mean, I, I just know that from my own experience, how quickly things can take a turn if you're not walking in community with other men. Um, you know, so it's a bit of a four-point vision for our men. And at the men at Woods Edge, the second vision point would be the men at Woods Edge are are known for leading the way as husbands, fathers, co-workers, you know, neighbors and disciples of Christ. You know, our third vision point would be that uh, we would establish a culture of men serving uh, inside the walls and outside the walls, you know, using their, their giftings and talents, you know, where they feel passionate about to be on mission with God. And then lastly, we, we want these men equipping other men, you know, so basically going back to one of our visions as a church, but disciples making disciples. Yeah. You know, we want these men equipping men to advance the kingdom in our church, city, and the world. And, um, you know, we're excited about, uh, you know, how that vision has shaped what we're doing with our men's advance coming up in the spring. Yeah, when is the men's advance? Yeah, so this year's men's advance will be the 17th and 18th of February. And we'll be up there at Carolina Creek again, like we've always been up there in Huntsville. Awesome. You know, it'll have a different feel than it had last year. Yeah. And uh, we're really excited about that this year. You know, I don't know if I kind of want to give it away yet, but... We're going to add a new wrinkle into that thing on the front end because it just so happens that February is in the peak season of crawfish season. Oh. And what guy doesn't like crawfish? Wow. And so I I envision several thousand pounds of crawfish going down on Friday evening before we kick this thing off. Yeah, I can see that too. A little smoked boudin on the side, some crawfish, you know, corn and potatoes. Man, you really are from Louisiana. Hey, buddy, we're going to do it right. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds awesome. Well, um, 
I'm sure that I'm sure the actual part would be good, but right now I'm just hungry. Um, yeah, that, that's just a precursor. <laughs> of course, to everything of course. To come. Um, so men's advance this year is coming up. What else is coming up for you guys um, in the spring? Yeah, so you know, we'll 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 unveil a, a men's class on Sunday morning, starting March first. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm excited about this opportunity. We recognize that <clears throat> you know a lot of our men, for whatever reason due to the you know work st- constraints and schedules, it's just hard for them to link up with other men during the week. Yeah. And so we want to give them an opportunity on Sunday morning, you know, where they can come to church with their families for, you know, one of the first two services. And at 1130, we'll have a men's class, you know, solely for our men that, you know, we'll be talking about things all across the board, you know, in relation to men being the husbands, the fathers, and, and the co-workers, you know, disciples that, that, that Christ has called us to be. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, so that's really that's in March that it's starting. Yeah, March 1st, actually. <laughs> March 1st. So it'll actually kick off right after the men's advance. Awesome. Yeah, well, so that's there, good there'll be an opportunity for guys to, to roll right into, uh, you know, and get plugged into that community that we're going to be stressing while we're there. That's awesome. Well, I have one last question for you. Okay. Um, and it's just before you go, tell me right now, what what's your dream for um, – for men at Woods Edge um, in this next season? Like what, what is your dream and prayer for the men? Yeah. You know, Eric, the theme for our men's advance this year is Ignite. And that theme uh, came to uh, several of us that were on this kind of men's retreat getaway, this kind of leader retreat that we took earlier this fall. Because we see that uh, so many men, you know, and I don't want to say just men, but but people in general, um, yeah, they wake up, they go to work, they come back home, and I think that's life. And and, and there's so much more to us um, living and breathing on this planet while we're alive. And so when we say we want to ignite our men, you know, we want them to recognize that uh, God has created them for a purpose. And uh, at first, our men have to understand and understand you know who God is. And recognizing how God sees them, yeah. And, and once they start to see that, that uh, you know, God has has a plan. God has created them uniquely, and we want to ignite their passion for life. To to look at you know, okay, with my passion, where can I plug that passion into a purpose? And so we start to say, okay, where is God on mission in your life, and where can you join up with Him? And so, you know, my, my, what I get excited about for the spring and particularly utilizing the men's advance to leverage that is to ignite men to, to know what they're passionate about and then to combine that with a purpose that sets them on mission with God so that men are taking that back into their families and they're igniting that same passion and purpose into their spouses so that their families can be on mission with God. Because I think once we see families come together that uh, recognize that even with their kids at young ages, even their kids can be on mission with God and recognize their kids have purpose, uh, I think we'll start to see change, change from a generational standpoint. We start to see lasting fruit from our families at Woods Edge and our families in our community. Well, that is, uh, that's exciting. And we're expectant that the Lord will do that in this next year. Very much Uh, so. Well, thanks so much for joining me. Glad to be here, Eric, anytime. John Spiehi describes himself like this. Maybe that guy that goes to church, does volunteer work, goes home, you know, has time with the family, kids, goes to work, 
It's probably the same routine that 98% of the people do every day. Years ago, when John graduated from college, he found himself taking care of his parents. My parents were just, they've never been, they were never financially stable. Like, I bought their house for them when I was 22 because they were about to have to move out of it. And then my dad has a heart attack and can't work, so I had to take over the family business at 24. I mean, it was just constantly me doing things for them, not really ever living my life. And, you know, and then my dad just kept getting sicker. With so much responsibility put on his shoulders, John never had considered what his or God's desires were. I've had in my mind for so long of doing stuff for, you know, my family, my, my, you know, my parents and all that. I never thought about, you know, what does God really want me to do with my time? Last year, things changed for John. It, it starts at the Men's Advance 2016. Um, I mean, I'd been a volunteer here at Woods Edge for five years with the children um, ministry, you know, working with kids in kindergarten. I've I've moved up with them from first, second, third, and we're in fourth grade now. So, uh, you know, I've been a member of Woods Edge for 10 years, uh, felt real good about my life and, you know, thought about going to the men's advance in years past, but never actually executed on it. John felt reluctant to go, almost nervous. I, I think it might have been just fear, you know, feeling that I wasn't worthy enough, maybe. Um, maybe not close enough to God to go, uh, maybe a little worried, you know, just about change, big group of guys. I mean, I'd never gone to any sort of camp when I was little either, so I didn't know what to expect. Despite his fear and reluctance, and thanks to a friend pushing him to go, John signed up for the men's advance. I mean, the second we pulled into that place, it was like, you could feel the love. You could feel the faith. And then I started walking around after we checked in, and you could, I mean, the people that I was seeing were actually guys that I see every Sunday, you know, anyway. So, I mean, there was really nothing for me to worry about, and, or be scared about, or, you know, just normal guys, you know, and, um listening to the sessions the the speakers you know peers of mine getting on stage and opening up and you know giving their testimonies and their stories i mean it was so emotional uh you mike i could literally feel my body changing physically you know into a better person listening to these guys and it's not not that i felt like everybody else you know were better people i just i don't know if God is ready for me to do this. I didn't like, I don't know if I'm worthy enough to do God's work, but this, but since the men's advance, it, it's like God opened my heart. It's like he, he opened my eyes. I got this feeling that he's saying, you know what, John, you are worthy. John left the men's advance and over the past year has started a small group, went on his first mission trip to Guatemala, has sponsored a child in Haiti and helps out with Woods Edge's care ministry. The men's advance is it 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 gave me that sense of you, you can do it you know the you're an, you're an ordinary guy but so is everybody on this planet it 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 takes you putting one foot forward to actually making it happen and I'm giving you the power to do it I'm you go out there and do it I've got your back.
thanks so much for listening to the Woods Edge Podcast Show. Be sure to subscribe and tell your friends. See you next time.